The NBA trade deadline has passed. Who are the winners and who are the losers? Bob Picozzi stops by and talks about the Sweet 16 as the bracket continues on. And hardcore fantasy baseball draft this weekend. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Canadian Big A. Welcome back, B. We missed you last week. I miss you fellas too. Well, that's heartfelt and mm. from from the, the soul. I feel that. But guys, if you're listening to the show for the first time, we hope you enjoy it. Just hang out with us for a little bit. We'll try to give you something fun to listen to. And if you don't like it, you, you can just ignore it and don't say anything bad about us. Just, you know, move on about your life and, and enjoy whatever else it is you do. But if you like the show, subscribe. Tell your friends. Help us out, man. We're just trying to enlighten your life. That's all. That Mr. Fair? Brown and Chad the Mark are the pot of gold at the end of my rainbow. I think they can be for you guys, too. <laughs> all right, that's getting that's a little right. too feely that's now. Right. I don't know if I want to go down that road. So let's uh, – <laughs> We are rated explicit. <laughs> we are. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, so we, we had a, a, a great interview. We just got done talking with Bob Picozzi. We'll have that later in the show. And and you know what? We we kind of joked with Bob a little bit about how guys like Barkley and it's really just Barkley. Kenny Smith does okay. But the, these guys covering the March Madness from TNT, they, they don't always do their homework, do they? No, but Barkley don't even hide it. He was like, I don't know anything about anything. I will talk about this and we'll move on. <laughs> but Bob Picozzi is not that guy. No, absolutely not. And, and no. he's retired. Like, he doesn't work for ESPN anymore, but – Here's he a suggestion. Maybe they need to bring people bo- uh, back like Bob just to cover certain games for the tournament and then just pay him a lump sum and let him cover it. Yeah, exactly. Just this tournament and then move yeah. on. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be better than Barkley and Kenny. <laughs> the fans would be happy. I mean, you'd actually learn something. Yeah. It'd, it'd make Give it Andy Katz somebody to bounce yes, off of. poor Andy Katz is Dude, on the Katz has right got to be sitting over there with these guys just like racking his brain to say, what do I say that's not condescending, keeps me on the air? Here's what happens afterwards. You know him and Ernie go out to dinner and probably have a few drinks, and, and he's like, you think you feel bad. Think how I feel having to deal with him all year. <laughs> hey, Clark Kellogg does all right, too. Yeah. I'll give him some love. He's doing good. But the, the thing I wanted to start with, though, is NBA. And we, we all know that we don't give NBA a lot of love. But, man, there's a lot of activity today. And we have the NBA trade deadline that just passed. And – it feels way too late for this to be happening right now. It's weird. Like, like I know the season's all kind of screwy because of COVID and whatnot, and they're only doing 72 games. And But we're over halfway there, and now we're doing the trade deadline. So I feel like the teams that had a chance to really do something, they, they could actually do it this late in the year, which is nuts. But who who are the winners and losers? What What happened today? To me, I think the Bulls are the big winner. They made moves. They went from being a team in a rebuild mode to a team that wants to win right now. Now, is that going to happen this season in the East? No, but when you look at the moves that they made, they have the foundation for their future. Vujicic, I, I can't Vujovic, pronounce it. Vujovic, 30-year-old all-star. He's got five years left. Orlando guy. Uh, Averaging 25 and 12. Yeah. Shoot, can shoot from 40%. deep. He is today's big man in the NBA. So, 6'11", 7'4". Let me ask you this as a fellow Bulls fan. So you said it might not be for this season, but 
The East is weak at the bottom. They're Do only they a game and a half now, out. and they're going to make the playoffs, right? They're only a I game think and what happens out. is they go from being that like eight to ten where they're the play in. I think they're going to end up in the four or five seed once they, they get make that much They're going to make that much of you, a run. You put those players in there with Billy Donovan, who is an excellent coach. I think they make a late season push, and they end up. I think they end up in the six six to four range somewhere in there. Okay, they're five games under five hundred. Yeah, right. how, how many games over five hundred are they going to finish? Mm, six or seven but when you look at what the okay. east is it's kind of top heavy it is definitely. philadelphia milwaukee dude boston, yeah. boston yeah, is an eight nets. seed right now yeah that's yeah. crazy they don't play no defense just they, ask they bob play zero yeah we talk about that <laughs> all right so anybody else that stands out like i, I guess the heat right the Heat traded for Oladipo, but he's kind of – I don't know if he's on his last leg. He wasn't giving it all he had in Houston coming well, off that knee injury a couple years ago. plus games in a row. I mean, what would you do? <laughs> yeah. It's a little disheartening <laughs> if you're a Rockets. I like, well, the, I like the move. I mean, like, you got Butler, shooters, and uh, it gives him one more dog if he if he's yeah. in it. Well, you get uh, Jimmy Buckets. You got, like you said, shooters, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. You bring in Oladipo, and the Heat are the front runners for LaMarcus Aldridge, who was a buyout, who is still a good uh, player. And tra- traditional, like where they play now, they play him at the five. He what's can hit from what's 18 the deal feet. with Aldridge? What's happening there? Uh, Spurs gave him a buyout, or they're working on one now. I don't know if it's so official So he's yet. about to be a free agent. Yep. Okay. So then the Same other thing with name is Drummond. Yeah, Andre Drummond. I keep hearing L.A. Did they did they cut him too or buyout? No, they're, they, working, they, on they're working on a buyout. Wow. And then uh, Drummond's camp said he's going to go into workout mode and he'll decide on the team. <laughs> he needs to go into workout yep. mode. So, like a few things for me. Um, there was one trade. It was really weird. Yeah, the Clippers and the Hawks. Yeah, that's the one to me that stuck out as the worst trade. The Hawks sent Rajon Rondo to the Clippers for, for Lou Williams. Williams. To me, Lou Williams is an excellent pickup for the Hawks coming off the bench with that scoring. Rondo was washed last year. He had a nice trip in the bubble, and that was it. It's a weird move for the Clippers. I don't understand it all for the Clippers. Uh, the Nets obviously already made their big move getting hard and early, so they weren't really looking. Mm-hmm. Um, Milwaukee didn't do anything. The Lakers didn't do anything. No, you know, the move uh, that I think is going to change the West if things go the way I want them to go because I love the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. I love that move. Yeah, I mean, that's a a guy that adds a lot to that team. What did Orlando get out of all this? They just blew their team They just got a free pass to the G League. (laughs) That's whatever you call it now. They got a bunch of draft picks. Like, they're not exactly the uh, (laughs) Oklahoma City Thunder, but – they got a bunch of picks. It's what was that bad. thing you told me about the Thunder having how many picks? In the next seven years, OKC has 34 draft picks. They have 17 first-rounders and 17 second-rounders <laughs> in the next seven years. Uh, I mean, are you just going to do the draft in Oklahoma City now? Might as well. Uh, they're like the opposite of the Rams in the NFL. That's that's. I don't know if you can build a team that way, though. It's it's it's. I've never seen that way in the NBA. Like, I don't know. You got all these rookie deals, but about – we're coming a seven-year period. That's a, that's insane. So by the time you're still rolling in this, your other guys are probably already be on their next contract. Yeah. So I mean, the question is, if you hit big, we'd be able to keep it together. Right. But if not, like, how many of those do you trade away right. and try to get like a, a guy that a team doesn't want anymore? I mean, that, they, it's they're, not they're well they're well positioned. <laughs> Let's see if it pays off, God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, anything else with NBA? I because I, I don't follow it. It's that closely. still. The Nets in the East, right? Yep. I mean, the Bucks have really turned it on as of late. 
But uh, when they made that trade for Harden, I watched play. I said, Nets coming out. I think they'll win the title. Still with that. And they, I'll, I'll tell you what happens if uh, it plays out this way. Drummond was projected to go become a net, but they weren't sure if he'll get a starting role because they have DeAndre Jordan. No, he's got to start over Jordan. He goes in. He fits that team perfectly yeah. because they don't need anybody other than block shots or rebound. He's a younger DeAndre Jordan. Well, yeah. and then they just said that J.J. Reddick's going to sign with Brooklyn too. Uh, he he wants- got traded to the Mavs. Did he? Yep. Oh, okay. Mm. I don't know what they got out of him, but he went to the Mavs. Because he said he wanted to go near his hometown. It could be, just like we were talking about, uh, what was it, uh, Myers Leonard earlier got traded to OKC and then bought out immediately. It could be the same deal. So there's still a lot of dominoes still to fall. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Okay. The buyout market is there. So teams like the Lakers, who didn't make a big splash with any moves here, still have a chance to do things. I'm worried if I'm a Lakers fan because AD's been out for weeks. Now LeBron has the injury. He's going to be out multiple weeks, I'm hearing. So if they start sliding down from that top, I mean, they're not even in the top spot now, but let's say they slide down 5-6, they might be in trouble. As long as they're healthy come playoffs, they'll be fine. I don't think so. I think that it's more if they're down 5-6 and they have to battle through the teams that are at the top, like Nuggets. you play them anyway. But, yeah, here's the thing. If you're the one or the two, you don't have to play them really till the conference finals. So you're going through the Clippers, the Nuggets, the jazz I as just, your as your trip and don't get me wrong if they're healthy they but i don't think they'll be healthy but either. the fact they're two superstars are hobbling into the playoffs yeah that's a, a problem that's, that's what i'm saying if they're hobbling into the play yeah they're done but what, what happened the last time we had a superstar healthy, i don't think you can write them off so easily is all what's the last time we had a superstar with a calf strain kd uh, I mean, that's what that's what it is with AD. He's got a calf strain and he's out. It's lasting some time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, and what are the odds that both LeBron and AD come back and they're just full force? I Especially mean, LeBron's not, age, not, not very high. I mean, I, again, I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. I'm just saying if they happen to be healthy, I think they'll. Still you be still good. like the Lakers? Yeah, I do. And I hate saying that. You know, I hate saying. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> I'm really uh, – never mind. <laughs> uh, last thing on NBA real quick, unless you guys got something else. Um, I saw or read a bunch of things about Kyle Lowry, but nothing happened. Yeah, no. He's still in Toronto. Is he a buyout candidate? I don't think so. I think he's a lifetime Raptor. There was a ton of talk, and it's been that way hey, for even like the Lakers were four or six weeks about him getting traded somewhere. And at the end of the day, the Raptors didn't like what they were going to get back from it, so he's staying put. I don't, I don't think there's any buyout there. Mm. That was just weird because he's like Mr. Raptor. Yep. Yeah. You don't, you don't do yeah, that. Mr. Raptor, at the same time, his name's been out there for like a month. I know. It's just bizarre. Yep. I don't know. Everybody's wheeling and dealing right now. So it's still going to be the, the Nets, uh, obviously, as long as all three of them. They're the same thing as the Lakers, right? As long as they're all playing, they're going to be okay. I guess Kyrie's on a personal leave of absence now. Uh, he fell something. off the earth. It was his birthday. <laughs> I think that's what happened. He walked too far and he fell <laughs> on the edge. Off the earth. Yeah. All right, so if not the Lakers, who's your uh, Western team? I would go Clippers. I just can't. All I don't right. know why. I I like I – Probably I like, Paul George in the playoffs last year. I like Utah and I like Denver. Denver I like a lot, especially picking up um, your boy there. If and I were Gordon. picking two teams, I would take Clippers and Denver. The Clippers team I've seen so far this year, and they got rid of Doc Rivers, who was good at what? Making what is great become good. Uh, <laughs> Paul George is on a mission this year. Yeah, I, I will I, say I like he's them. playing better, but let's see if it translates to postseason. And a perfect world that I get to pick, Nuggets come out of the West. I love what they did. I love Jokic. Their whole team, their coach. I love everything Denver's they do. fun to watch too, man. Yep. Yep. They'd be great. Mm. 
Guys, we talked NBA. I hope the fans are appeased. And we kept it positive. We did a positive, except mm. for uh, talking about the Lakers and their injury prospects. No, we can't do that. That's no. just being realistic. That's it. We're just LeBron haters. We're realist. <laughs> okay, boomer. Baby steps. <laughs> well, I know we're going to talk a lot about baseball season once it really gets here. And we, we've kind of held off the best we can. Mr. Brown, we know you're on your social media tour trying to find out everybody's favorite players for, from all the franchises. We're on day 30 now. Is that right? Yeah, day 30 with the Yankees. And then I got a surprise tomorrow Ooh. that I'll be breaking out and. Uh, it's not the Durham Bulls. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> ooh, you're throwing shade there. I like. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think I might know what it is, but we'll just leave it for the uh, followers to find out. And then, but we'll leave once we're done with that. We're going to post a post uh, with everyone on there, the the team's most popular. Yeah, player we'll put together a little to, something nice. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be nice. Um, but next week, we do have a guest for opening day. We do. For baseball, so mm. it's is this a homer alert? Yes, it is. Oh, Mr. Greg Harp for Tomahawk Top Talk. Sorry, Tomahawk Talk. Gotcha. And uh, we're going to talk about their group down there, and a lot of Braves alumni are in the group. Yeah, so this is unusual in the world of Facebook and social media groups and things like that. There's a lot of Braves players or former players. I know you have uh, Merker, you have Denny Nagel, Otis Nixon, Avery, Avery, yeah. And there was someone else, but I can't remember who it was. Uh, but anyways, a lot of a lot of alumni is in the group, and he's going to come on and talk about Tomahawk Talk, and uh, it's going to be on opening day, so hopefully it'll be during a Braves win against uh, the Phillies. Well, that I, I'm not a Braves fan, but I'm excited for it because, man, I can almost smell the fresh-cut grass, the hot dogs, the beer vendors. Give me all of them, man. Nice. I'm, I'm ready, and, and we're getting ready. What are we doing Saturday, fellas? Fantasy baseball draft where I draft the best team and finish last. Second annual <laughs> hardcore right. baseball. Yeah, so we've been doing hardcore football for over two, two decades. decades. And we recently got into baseball and I enjoyed it because I won all last year. You know, I, despite I was, COVID staring us in the face, we said we're drafting anyway. Yeah. It, despite I, the uncertainty. I probably had COVID nah, and was drafting with COVID at home on my so couch. We had a ten team league last year, seven were in person. Three drafted remotely because of illnesses. We've upped it to 12 this year. Yeah. We've upped the ante this yeah. year. We doubled the ante. Yeah, it, we, we took a good thing and made it great. We're the opposite of Doc Rivers. There you go. So oh we went God. from 10 to 12, and 11 will be here, and we have one person who's unfortunately in Boston who will be drafting remotely, and that's it. Yeah. So if for people who don't do fantasy baseball and might – you know, play around. Maybe they do FanDuel. Maybe they do fantasy football. What would you tell somebody about fantasy baseball just so they understand? Because I think it's a freaking blast. I actually enjoyed it more than fantasy football. And last year was the first year I really did it. Uh, the difference for me is that fantasy football, you, you can set your lineup and walk away. Now, you might need to go back in on Sunday and check the inactives. Uh, but overall, you can check it and forget it, right? Yep. Fantasy baseball, it's a daily thing. You got to check the starters. Are they starting? Cycle through your starting pitchers. You might, where it's a week long, head to head, you might be like, I'm going to tweak my steals midweek to try to catch up on the steals. And you might pick up a guy who's good for nothing but steals just to try to win that one category. And it, it's, it's a game within a game, much like baseball. It, it very much is. Biggie, how, how do you feel? 
No, I agree with what you said. In football, you got set it and forget it, guys. You plug them in every week. The only week they don't play is their bye week. Baseball is completely different because you can have an absolute stud like an Acuna or a Trout who may be out that night because he has a back spasm. So if you're not paying attention and you don't take somebody off the bench, you got an empty slot that night. And watch out for your Sunday day games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the other thing that stands out to me is I feel like in football, you could draft a good team and maybe not do much else the rest of the year and still be really good if you drafted well. Where in baseball, you could draft a good team, but it may not matter because the game changes so much over 162 games that if you don't make adjustments and, and compensate for injuries or somebody gets hot, things like that, like you can be left on the side. It was the first time many years I'd done fantasy baseball. And I loved how we did our league where you could have daily ads, depending on what you were looking at, as opposed to like the two day waiver period, like a lot of the uh, public leagues do. So yeah. There was a week I was playing. I don't know if it's you or Chad last year at the end. I had a hundred innings pitched. Uh, it was me. It was yeah. me. It's like I'm a. I'm in like He was like I'm. I'm gonna win wins and strikeouts. Damn it! Yep. <laughs> Screw whip and everything else. But it's like you said, going for steals. It gives you that option. It's yeah. On a Thursday, you can concede certain stats and be yep. like, I ain't got a chance. And then you're like, let me go get these. You know, it's it's really interesting. Like you said, it's the game within the game. There's so much strategy. And you, you may have a certain team that might might not be like you have your closers and you have your mid-tier closers and then the kind of the bottom guys. You might have a certain MLB team that may roll with five different closers in one season. So safe to say we'll probably go live some point Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And and what's the weather going to be? 75 and sunny. And we built our redneck engineered stand to put the – because we draft. Nothing's online here. You know, right. Everything is is in person. We got these stickers and stuff like that. So you really got to do your homework. You got to right. know what's happening. Yep. But hopefully our, our stand doesn't fall over. <laughs> it depends on how drunk everybody gets and if somebody falls and knocks it over. Yeah, that, that would not be good. We just got to keep them away from the uh, fruity drinks in the back of the fridge. It is. No no White Claws and Trulies. That's right. <laughs> They'll be okay. Do you, either of you all have a preference on draft position? Um. I mean, I I don't I don't want to be on the ends. I, I don't think so. So you don't want to be first, and you don't want to be last. No, I think I want to be in the middle. If I'm not top three, I'd rather be twelfth. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay. If I, I got I'd to almost, pick it, because I would of, almost rather be third than first. Yep. At three, One, I have two, three, three players I like. Right. I'm good. I don't want to be five. I don't want to be seven. If I had a choice, I'm top three or give me 12th because at that point I can get two guys I really like. And another thing for those listening, that the reason part of the reason why we caught hardcore football and baseball is no one knows their draft slot. So when we all show up, we draw a number out of a hat. That way you can't do a mock draft on the number you think you would be. I mean, because you don't know a number. So you can't be like, oh, you're six weeks in advance and draft mock drafts at six over yeah. and over and over. No, no dice here. Now you just show up and be like, oh, I'm eight. Now let's roll it. Yeah, it's not like when you do a mock draft like you just notice. said. You can pick your slot. Or we finished last year and I finished second, so I'm a right. second pick. Nope. Mm, so you pick a number and the draft starts. It's like New Year's resolution, man. They're all out the window by the second week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just look forward to the yeah. homers showing up and drafting all their squads uh, players, so that leaves all the the ample players. Well, for us. the good news is we're in a league full of Reds fans. Uh, so you know what? <laughs> There's not that many to draft from the Reds, but hopefully they take them all. Early. Yeah. <laughs> They're all getting drafted this year. I see year. Joey Votto going in the fifth round. We got a bunch of Reds fans. We got a Yankees fan. We got a Mariners fan. A couple of Braves fans, and then I don't know what uh, Pritt is. I think he's a Reds fan. Maybe. Well, hey, I had no Reds players last year. Here you go. I'm not. 
None. And I want it all. So that strategy is going to work. I'm just going to say that's the only reason that you want. We're never going to hear the end of this. No. The fact he won this COVID shortened season. Well, and here's the thing. If it had been year three, it would eventually die. Since it was the inaugural season, we're 67. He'll still be telling us about it. I just want you to know I'm being really mild so far. Come Saturday, uh, it's going to be bad. We know how you get. I'm just letting you know. No, we know. Hey, this is your year with the belt, the crown, the World Series trophy. We ain't graduated to a belt yet. No, not yet, but it, it doesn't matter. There can only be one first, and it will always be me. You can't take that Wait away. for Chad to ride in with a shirt he had made at the mall that mm. says, inaugural champion. There might be a shirt. <laughs> there might be. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot of fun. Good group of guys. Good food. Some All right, guys. Saturday, check us out. We'll be on Facebook Live at some point. Hopefully, we'll be uh, communicating very clearly for everybody. We'll see you then. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we know it's March Madness, and it's been a a really weird week. Like, we didn't have anything in the middle of the week. We're waiting on the Sweet 16 to start on the weekend. And Bob Picozzi, who I'm sure many of you remember the voice, you've heard him on ESPN Radio. He's a huge, huge you know, fan of all college basketball, especially when we get to this tournament season. And I know he is devoting so much time to, to watching these games right now. He even knows where True TV is. I, I heard that. He found that somewhere on the cable guide. So he's he's that much of a fan. I don't know if he watches True TV outside of March Madness, but nobody does, right? But in, Bob, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's been a while. How you doing? I, I'm, I'm doing great. My pleasure to be here. Glad to join you guys. Man, I, I still just uh, hear your voice in my head when I'm listening to ESPN Radio in the morning when Mike and Mike's gone now, and I just used to hear those updates all the time. I don't get that anymore, man, so it's just nice to hear your voice. Can I at least say that? Well, thank you. I appreciate that, but I've been <laughs> gone for a while. I've been gone, uh, let me think now, it's uh, over four years, almost four and a half years I've been gone from ESPN Radio. Hey, time flies when you're uh, living the COVID life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I, I know uh, we're, we're into the Sweet 16 approaching in the men's tournament. We've had a, a very interesting first couple rounds, but you know, just to kind of refresh uh, some of our listeners, if they didn't catch our original interview we did with you, you know, you're really big into to March Madness. You used to cover a lot of games, especially the smaller conferences, uh, huge in women's uh, college basketball, big time with UConn. Um, so just all that experience, you're, you're able to sit back now in the retired life and enjoy this. What have been your thoughts so far on what you've seen from the tournament? Uh, well, my first thought is uh, I, uh, it's a reminder how much, how much I missed it, not having it last year. I was terrible. It's taken away. And, uh, you know, I, it was obviously uh, so hard on the kids, especially the seniors last year. I'm a Seton Hall alum and, Seton Hall had a pretty good year last year and they had their first first team All-American in 68 years in Miles Powell and he was a senior and then of course the NCAA tournament was just yanked underneath him uh, from beneath him and that happened for all seniors and uh, but you know COVID has impacted a whole lot of other families a lot more than it impacted Miles Powell obviously so it's it's great to have it back Uh, I also think it's a reminder of how the difference between the schools is is so minute. Um, on the men's side, much more than the women's side, if, if you're a team that is good enough to play in the NCAA tournament, you have at least one really good player on your team, and you probably have more than one. And, uh, you know, we see with the young man from, from Oral Roberts, 
you can ride that guy. I, I know. Ooh. And, um, and that can happen and it, and it just happens, it just happens more often. So, you know, Oral Roberts not only, you know, beat Ohio state, but then they knocked off Florida in the second round and we saw, you know, Abilene Christian knock off Texas. So, you know, I don't have a horse in this race, you know, with Seton Hall not making the tournament, I don't have a horse in the race. So I just, you know, for pure enjoyment, I tend to root for some teams because from doing games, I know their coaches and, you know, and I'm friends with them and I like them. I was, I was crushed when Rutgers lost because I'm good friends with Steve Peichel. Uh, I used to work in local television in the Hartford market. And one of the big parts of my job was covering the UConn men's and women's basketball team. And, you know, uh, covered Steve for his four years at UConn. And I've known him ever since did a bunch play by play of a bunch of his games when he was at Stony Brook and even did one of his games when he was at Rutgers. So I root for Steve. It's unusual for a Seton Hall guy to root for Rutgers, uh, but uh, I put, you know, I put that aside because for Steve and, you know, for them to win, you know, they hadn't been in the NCAA tournament since 1991. They clearly would have made it last year, but it got yanked away. And then uh, it sure looked like they were going to beat Houston. And then they just completely collapsed down the stretch. So that was, uh, I felt so badly for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, and the other, the other thing that comes to mind, my other takeaway is it's a reminder how the conference tournaments really matter very little yeah. when you get in the NCAA tournament, you look at, uh, look at the power five conferences. I mean, Texas won the big 12 tournament. They go down in the first round to a 14 seed mm-hmm. Georgetown won the big East tournament. Wouldn't have even made the NCAA tournament if they didn't get that automatic bid. And they got absolutely crushed in the first round by Colorado. Uh, Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament. They lose in the first round. So, I mean, the conference tournaments helped, um, you know, helped at least two teams that from the major conferences, Georgetown and Oregon State, would not have made the tournament if they didn't win the conference tournament. But they don't help you the next week. No. And uh, it's it's a strange, you know, you can't. You can't rely on who's playing well and who's not playing well. Uh, you know, Villanova wasn't playing very well down the stretch. They were getting used to what life is like without Colin Gillespie. But, boy, they seem like they figured out they're playing pretty well now. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of times what I think we look at whenever we're filling out brackets is, like, who's the hot team coming in? Can you can you find somebody? Bob, do you fill out a bracket? Do you, do you go no, through I never all have. Never I, have. I was curious. I, I had a feeling you may not have, but I was just curious. So, well, for you know, for years, uh, I always did the women's t- first and second round of the women's tournament for ESPN. So, uh, and that was the busiest time of the year. You know, you don't find out till Selection Monday where you're going. And as soon as your bracket is revealed, uh, then you immediately, the first thing I have to do is I have to book my flights. And then I have to start, you know, uh, gathering all the material on the four schools. And then, the next, you know, before you know, it, you're on a plane flying there. So um, I would always rationalize and, and, and justifiably, I didn't have time to fill out brackets. But, you know, I'm not, I've, I've never been a better. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to root, have to root for the teams that I have picked in the brain. You know, I just want to, I just want to watch and enjoy and root for who I want, what, you know, for whomever I want to win. You know, I want Steve Peichel's team to win. Uh, Jay Wright is, uh, you know, my favorite coach of all time uh, from, you know, doing games. I used to do his games when he was at Hofstra before he went to Villanova. So I always root for his teams, except when they're playing my alma mater twice a year in the regular season. In the Big East. <laughs> of course. So I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where, I feel like I have to root for the teams 
that I, I picked in my bracket. So it's, uh, you know, so I, I, I've never filled out a bracket. I'm sure I never will. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely my biggest takeaway from the uh, tournament so far is Oral Roberts' head coach has more career wins against OSU than uh, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, that was a pretty cool, uh, cruel swipe at, uh, at Coach Harbaugh. But uh, people, yeah. But I mean, it's great. It's great to see. It's great to see those teams and to see see all the close games. You know, come down the stretch. It, it's great. I mean, it's just it's 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 just fantastic. So, how do you feel about the schedule change this year? I guess they did it because of logistics revolving around, you know, the the quote unquote bubble and whatnot. But it's just really weird to have it on a weekend and then spill over into a Monday. And like, here we are all week with no games going on. And it was weird not to have it start in the middle of the week. Did that mess with you very much at all? I mean, I, I I'm not a fan of the new schedule for sure. I hope it goes back. It only messed with me because you asked me if I could come on tonight. <laughs> and I said, I can't. That'll be the Sweet 16. And then you said, well, no, they're not. And I didn't realize that because I hadn't looked at it. Well, I mean, I, I imagine they're doing it this way uh, because they could, because teams don't have to travel. You know, right. in the past, they wanted to create, uh, you know, that that gap, you know, where teams could travel. Uh, you know, I'm uh, between the second weekend and the third. Sure. You know, teams. You know, two of the teams that would win on that Sunday, you know, they wouldn't. Have, they don't play again until next Saturday. So, but they would have to try. You know, they always go back to campus. Well, they don't have to do that now. They're already in the bubble. So, I I, I actually think it's more. I, I'm not quite sure why they started it later, or nor why they put all first four games on one day. I don't know why they did that. But I like I really like uh, the Sweet 16 being on a Saturday so that all four games are their own entity and there aren't two games on at one. Because in the past, you know, they would try to they would have the teams uh, they would fluctuate the starting times a little bit. But you would always have an overlap of two games in the Sweet 16 on both that Thursday and Friday night. And you won't have that this year. You'll have each game will be in its own window. And there's there's enough time between games so that there's no chance there'll be an overlap. So. As a viewer, I prefer that. All right, so let me let me ask you out of the remaining 16 teams, is there anybody that you've watched that you're like, you know what, I know you're not filling out a bracket, but if you said there was a clubhouse leader, can you definitively say that, or is it too close to call? Well, yeah. I mean, Gonzaga's the clubhouse leader. There's no question. They've, you know, they've played great all year, and then uh, plus their bracket is, you know, <laughs> it's wide open now. You know, the, the two and three seeds in their region are gone, so – it's uh, it's inconceivable to me that uh, that they're not going to go to the Final Four. I mean, uh, you know, look, anything can happen, but I think, um, I I think probably USC has the most athletic team. Their bigs, their bigs look good. Those brothers. So I would wow. I would think USC would have the best chance of beating Gonzaga out of the three teams that are left in that region. Uh, and you know, going into going into the Big Ten tournament, I really liked the way Michigan was playing. And then, of course, they lost in the Big Ten semifinals to Ohio State, and then they lost, you know, their best player, arguably their best player. But they're playing very well right now. Uh, so I, uh, although UCLA is playing great, you know, UCLA is really playing great. But I, uh, I would be surprised if Michigan didn't come out of that region. And uh, you know, it's it's. I don't think Royal Roberts is going to win two more games. Really. <laughs> It'd be a miracle. Not too likely. 
Now, and what what's the crapshoot is is the Midwest region. That's an absolute crapshoot. With all, all the um, double digit seeds there, it's crazy. Yeah, well, except for Houston. Houston number two seed. Right, right, right. Um, so um, you know, I, I I guess I think Houston will come out of that bracket. I think I think uh, three the three one seeds that are left will all come out, uh, make the final four, and probably Houston. That's just. Okay. My guess. Did you have any idea the Pac-12 was going to actually wake up in this tournament yeah. and do what they did? Like the, yeah. the Big 12 and the Big 10 have fallen apart, and then there's the Pac-12 who everybody's kind of written off as not being that good of a basketball conference, and they got a, a quarter of the teams left. No. I mean, no one saw that other than Bill Walton probably, you know. <laughs> champion. Uh, you know, uh, no, I didn't see that coming at all. And I think, I think uh, there are four Pac-12 teams – no, well, UCLA lost the last game last night, so I think there are three Pac-12 teams in the women's Sweet 16 too. So yeah, they've had they've had a heck of, they've had a heck of a heck of a run there. Mm. So you know we're we're actually West Virginia fans, so we're heartbroken because you know we're feeling like Huggins has a a decent squad, and we're already dealing with the transfer portal fallout after the loss now. So I, yeah. I'm going to ask you about that here in a minute, but. I, my biggest question is, Jim Beheim has been at Syracuse for, I believe, 30 years at least, it seems like. Why is it that no one can play against the zone? As soon as you get to March, it's like everybody's like, what is this 2-3 zone madness? And they always seem to do well. Well, uh, I mean, they've only, won, they've, they've only won the whole thing once. And uh, I guess since winning it, they went to the Final Four in 2013. They lost to Michigan in 2016. They lost to uh, North Carolina. Um, you know, there's nothing, you know, you, you, I mean, the ACC teams didn't seem to have too much trouble with Not it this year. Regular season, it's nothing. But when it comes to tournament time, it's like, what is this? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, I think just the Syracuse, the Syracuse kids are, are playing are playing great. I mean, uh, you know, they're not the only team in the country that plays zone, that's for sure. So, I mean, I think if if you know if Loyola, you know, Loyola, Oregon State's probably a toss up, right? I mean, if you look at uh, you know the seeding, Loyola's the, the, the higher seed of the two. Only one's got uh, Sister Jean. You know, if they can beat you know, no one. You can't tell me that if they can beat Illinois, that they can't beat Syracuse because Syracuse, you know, plays a two three zone. But if Buddy Bayheim continues to shoot the lights out <laughs> like he is, then then they could. Uh, I was going to say they could find their, themselves in. And I was trying to think where the Final Four is, but they're already there. Yeah, <laughs> they can find themselves staying in Indianapolis. That's a pretty good storyline, though, with uh, with Bayheim and his kid and and uh, people who uh, you know criticized. Saying you know the only reason why he's there is because his father's the coach, and uh, nah, he pretty much single handedly knocked us out of the tournament. In the second half, he was launching from NBA range, and wouldn't even think of twice. If you gave him any space at all, he was nailed, he was knocking it down. Yeah, and so that you know now can it happen for another four games? You know that's 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 the big question. Uh, but no, he's he's playing great, and uh, look at Oregon State again. The, you know the only reason why they're in the tournament is because they won the Pac-12 tournament championship. And now they, uh, you know, they knocked off a five and a four and they're in the sweet 16 and they only have to play an eight. Now I realize it's an eight that beat a one, but you know, if you're Oregon state, uh, you know, if they inject a truth ceremony, 
and you asked you, would you rather, you know, if they asked you a week ago, would you rather play Loyola or Illinois in the Sweet 16? What do you think their answer would be? <laughs> so out of the teams that are seated an eight or higher, is there any one that you feel like might have the best chance remaining? Um, Eight or higher. Well, because of how well they're playing, probably UCLA. I think they have great athletes and they're playing well. And sometimes, you know, that's all, you know, you go back to, you know, the, the consummate example is UConn in 2011, you know, where they had to win five games and five nights of the Big East tournament just to get into the NCAA tournament. And then they kept it going for another six. I mean, I, I know Jim Calhoun very well from, you know, my local TV job. And I did his local coaches show for five years. And I did a bunch of his games on TV when I was at ESPN. And he, you know, he's always felt that when you're playing well, you know, you can't wait till the next game comes, you know, you just, you just ride that. So, uh, you know, one of those schools, you know, let me, let me uh, contradict what I said before. (laughs) Three number one seeds probably won't make the final four because it just rarely happens. So, you know what, I don't think Gonzaga is going to be the one to lose, but somebody else is, somebody else is, you know, probably going to sneak in there. And, uh if you ask me which one had the best chance, I'd, I'd probably say UCLA. Okay. So, I mean, we know Alabama likes to shoot, you know, a hundred threes uh, in a game. So, you know, if they're not hitting, you know, UCLA can move right past them. It, it, it's not, not that far fetched. No, it isn't. And then, you know, injuries can be, if I look like the kid from UCLA, he hurt his ankle, Juicing in the first game and, uh, you know, looked like he might not be back, but then he was. And, uh, you know, they, they certainly they certainly can't advance without him, but they're, uh, you know, they're on a roll. It's, in, it's in, you know, it's still it's it's what an interesting that two blue blood programs like Michigan State and UCLA had to play each other in the <laughs> a playing game. But I mean, you know, look, you, you know, the, the, the 2020 NCAA tournament selection committee, you know, has to base it on what happened during the 2000 uh, 2021 Freudian slip. That's the basis on what happened during the 2020-21 season, not the fact that UCLA won 11 championships. And, of course, 10 of them happened, uh, you know, before 1975. So, uh, and, you know, Michigan, neither one of those schools has a beef to claim that they didn't, you know, that they they should have, uh, right. they should feel insulted that they had to play in the first four. They, they played their way into the first four by the way they played. I mean, they're not Kentucky or Duke this year, so they have that to be optimistic about. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's isn't that amazing? And, and then, you know, North Carolina made the tournament, they weren't, but they weren't very good this year. Right. You know, yeah, and then they were what, like an eight what's seed. Going, what's going on with Indiana? So there's, I mean, there's these stories out there that they might try to make a run after um, Brad Stevens, but I, I don't yeah. see why he would ever leave the NBA to go back to college. Well, he says, uh, you know, you've, you probably heard he says he won't. He says he won't do it. He, uh, he says he loves his job. Uh, I'm not sure that – I'm a huge Celtics fan, by the way, and what a huge disappointment they are this year. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think certainly some of that has to fall on Stevens. You know, I – Particularly, they're a terrible defensive team, and I think I think their effort hasn't been all the way, and that has to reflect on him. Now, having said that, I mean, this, you know, he's certainly not going to get fired, um, but I just don't. You know, it's hard to believe that Indiana's program has sunk to the depths it has. You know, uh, Archie Miller was, uh, you know, had great success, and Tom Crean. You know, these are guys with some credentials, and they left pretty good jobs. I remember. 
Crean saying, you know, people asked him, well, why would you leave with the success? And he said, because it's Indiana. And, you know, and that's, that's pretty good answer, but boy, Indiana isn't what it used to be. No, It's uh, I just, it's just shocking to me that the program has, has, has remained so mediocre for so long, but I mean, they'll, you know, they'll probably hire, you know, a really good, you know, a really good coach to get that job. But, uh, you know, Tom Crean was a really good coach and Archie Miller was a really good coach and they're just, uh, it's, it's just, it's just hard to believe. So is some of that kind of what you were, you're hinting at earlier, we talked about how there's not a huge difference between a lot of these teams anymore. And it used to be like the mid majors, you would just kind of look and see, Hey, they got five seniors, you know, they might be a, a tough out because they got so much experience. But like you said earlier, you can just have one guy that can ball out and right. that, that makes all the difference. So it, you have such a close proximity and talent now between the teams now some of them are going to have better depth but is that something where a program like indiana where they're struggling and you know is this is this a fluke just for michigan state being in the playing game this year in kentucky and and duke being down because the the one and done's kind of gone away so i mean is that is that going to impact some of these blue blood programs going forward uh, i don't think in the long term i also think you know covid it was just a funky season uh covid impacted just about every program had a had some sort of stoppage. Some were worse than others, um, and uh, you know you hardly played any non-conference games. And uh, you know all those tournaments that they that they have in November. They're I used to do a lot of them. They're, I mean they're great tournaments. You know the, all those eight team tournaments like the one in the you know like uh, the Maui the, shootout or stuff Maui like that. and the one in Charleston. And the one in uh, Orlando, I did the one in Orlando five times, but there are a million of them. Uh, many of them are ESPN events. And almost all of them have one team from each of the five power conferences. So it's great. You know, no matter how you do in the tournament, it's just great experience. You play three games in four days against some really, really good teams. And you didn't have any of that. And then, you know, practice was all disjointed. So if you're, uh, you're these one and done programs and, you know, the guys haven't played together before. I, I'd like to think that had a lot to do with it, but I don't think it's it's a sign. I don't think it's a sign that the Duke program or the Kentucky program are, you know, are, are suddenly so suddenly going downhill. But that Indiana, that's that's different. I mean, I don't think COVID had anything to do with Indiana being lousy again this year. They've been <laughs> they've been lousy for a long time. Yeah, they unfortunately they have been. I think once we get back to the normalcy, like you said, you got Duke and Kentucky yeah. on them. They're just too good recruiting wise to stay down. They're, they're not going anywhere. I wasn't insinuating they were. It's just I've heard some people say that, and I'm like, nah. I, I'm kind of with you, Bob. It was just a fluke, kind of weird year. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. It is, and I give. Uh, you know, Villanova had that long stretch where they didn't play games. You know, they went. Uh, I think they. I they think like they eight, went like twenty, like, 25 yeah, days without playing. Almost a, game. a month. How long was Baylor? Yeah. Baylor was like twenty-one yeah. days. Yeah. So there's a couple. That, I, I mean, I, I know it's a completely different example, but Colgate played, I think, the fewest games of any team in the NCAA tournament. Right. I know they didn't play any non-conference games at all. So I know, I know you're not a, a big Rutgers fan, but you were kind of rooting for them. But well, it does see does see correctly that they played every game schedule this year was that did i see that correct i i don't know 
You you could be right about that. I, I, which right. was so odd because you would just think New Jersey and whatnot because they haven't had the best luck with COVID, unfortunately. I was surprised. I, I believe that they were one of the two teams in the tournament that didn't have a stoppage this year, which is well, crazy. The thing, about, uh, the thing about New Jersey and New York and where I am in Connecticut, we got hit very hard with the COVID. But uh, the governors in each state, I mean, forget about, you know, forget for the moment about the issues that – that uh, Andrew Cuomo was having with the <laughs> yeah we we don't need to talk about that <laughs> you know, the, debt. But the fact of the matter is all three of those states with very strong mitigation measures they got the the infection rate way down in New York after a terrible start in the pandemic it got down below one percent so no I don't think uh, I don't think you can point to New Jersey uh, with the issues they had with COVID in March and April in May and maybe even in June and July and, 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 uh, you know, say, well, therefore they're getting, you know, they're, they're more likely to have, I think it's, it's just a freak thing. Uh, and in so many cases, you know, most people don't even know, you know, our, our son had COVID fortunately he didn't have it. He didn't have a bad case and he recovered. He's only 35. So he had that going for him. He has no idea where he got it. I mean, his job requires him to interact with clients. So presumably he got it from one of the clients, G, you know, here in Connecticut, Gino Oriema has no idea. Right, right. How he got COVID. He, he was asymptomatic, but, you know, he had to self-quarantine. And as you know, he missed the first two games of the tournament and didn't, you know, didn't fly to San Antonio to be with his team until yesterday. So it's a lot of it. I think it's just luck, you know, or, you know, bad luck or, or good luck to, to, to stay away from it. And um, I really applaud, you know, the NCAA is catching a lot of heat, you know, uh, for the the uh, the disparity between uh, all the, the weight room. Right. Yeah. And, and, and other things affiliated with the, the respective tournaments. But think about what a just an overwhelming assignment this was to conceive of these bubbles and to play all the games like in the women's tournament. They have two. They actually have two courts in the Alamo Dome. And so I don't think they ever have two games going. And there's a curtain separating the two. I don't think they ever have two games going on at one time, but they can start the second game right after the first one ends. Right. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, and, the, you know, and in the first two rounds of the men's tournament, you know, some of the games were uh, played at Indiana, which I think is about 90 minutes away. And, and some were played at Purdue, which is about 70 minutes away. Uh, but you know, it's amazing how the, everything is in the above. You guys ever been to Indianapolis? Uh, it's been, a, been about a decade, but I've been there. Yeah. Well, you know, they had that cat with, you know, a lot of the cities connected by catwalks. So, you know, you can walk from your hotels. Right. So, I mean, they, they thought of just about everything. Unfortunately, the NCAA didn't think about the, uh, the women's weight room, you know, <laughs> uh, and that was a major faux pas, it's but a bad I mean, look. Uh, it's a bad look. <laughs> kudos to them. Uh, because otherwise, you know, I, I, I didn't think they'd be able to pull off a season. You know, I was astonished when the season started and I didn't think there was any way to get to the finish line. I thought there would just be too many COVID, uh, stoppages, but I was wrong. Uh, but I mean, the only way to play the tournament is to play it in the bubble, you know, and, and they're, you know, they're kind of, uh, taking advantage of, you know, learning, uh, observing what the, you know, the NBA and the WNBA and the NHL did with that. I mean, the only way they were able to finish their seasons last year is because they played them in the bubble. And I didn't even think the NBA would be able to get a season done this year, you know, with all the traveling and everything. And there have been some stoppages, but they're, 
haven't been as many as I thought. And now, you know, we clearly have turned a corner. Sure. You know, we're certainly not out of the woods yet, but, you know, the world's a very different place now than it was a month ago with the vaccine as more and more people are getting vaccinated each day. And I think, uh, you know, the future's obviously much brighter. There's at least light at the end of the tunnel. That, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I got to ask you this question uh, just because, uh, you know, we're sitting down watching the games and, and whatnot. And we have the wonderful commentators from the NBA on TNT yeah. uh, doing some March Madness. And, and we find that uh, while they're hilarious, it doesn't seem like they know much about the game. But I was just curious on your thoughts, if you ever get a chance to, to watch Charles and Kenny and those guys. How do you think they do? One of my best friends from college texted me and he said, you know how you always used to spend so many hours preparing, you know, to do games. He says, well, Barkley does none of that. He doesn't know anyone. No, no. He just, he just talked about the big dude from Florida. And my answer, my answer, my friend's name is Andy. My answer was, I said, Andy, I don't think I've watched any of the studio shows because, you know, I go to another game. Right. And so I have them on the TV, but I have the sound down. So I honestly haven't heard anything they said. Now, I mean, they know basketball, that's for sure. So they know strategy, but, you know, I really can't give you any firsthand observations because I haven't watched them. I do know that I, I worked with Andy Katz and Andy knows his college hoops. Andy's trying to hold it together. Yeah. They threw Andy you know, with Charles and Kenny. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You know, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, Barkley knows basketball and, you know, certainly Kenny Smith knows basketball. But uh, I really I really can't give any firsthand uh, observations on, uh, you know, what their knowledge of the personnel is, because I honestly I haven't, you know, I haven't watched the, I haven't watched one commercial <laughs> during the tournament. I haven't watched one pregame show, one between game show or one halftime because there's always another game to go to. So right at the beginning of the pregame for Moorhead and WVU, Charles gets on there and he says, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know anything about Moorhead State, and I'm not going to pretend like I do. But let's talk about Coach Bob Huggins. He's, I think he's around 900 wins, and Ernie Johnson's like, yeah, tonight will be 900 wins. And then Bob, he went on to talk about Huggy for about 900 wins for about 20 minutes. Yeah, and he said, honest. I don't know nothing about Moorhead State. I'm like, you don't even want to prepare or even throw one line or anything? So, and, and, exactly. I, and Bob, I appreciate the fact that you're more focused on the game. We're not here to throw shade on anybody trying to do a job that they were just asked to do, but it is uh, somewhat comical to watch it unfolds sometimes well it's you know and it really there's no excuse for it you know they pay him a lot of money by the way i don't know when i was on the last time did i ever tell you my favorite uh hugging story no you know what you did but we were not recording for that that was after we got done talking and we were just kind of shooting okay. the breeze for a while so, so go I'm ahead doing, and share I'm, it again i'm doing a west virginia st john's game at madison square garden i'm doing the game with a guy named tim mccormick who played at Michigan and he played in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets. I don't know if he played for a third team. I don't know if you remember Tim. He's 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 about six nine. I think he was on the Michigan team that won the NIT back in the mid eighties. So he's telling. So we go over to talk to Huggins before the game. Huggins is the most relaxed guy in the world <laughs> before a game. I mean, every coach handles their access with broadcasters differently. With Shashevsky, it's very structured. You're not allowed to go to the practices unless you're Jay Billis, and uh, and you're summoned into the uh, into the inner sanctum uh, 85 <laughs> minutes before tip, and then you get about 15 minutes. With, now it's 15 great minutes, 15 great, and you, you get great stuff from them. But Huggins, 
gets there, you know, like about an hour and 45 minutes before the game starts. And he just comes out and he just sits in the stands and he's just like leaning back like that. And, and fans come up and talk to him and he talks to them. And then, you know, you can just, you know, if you're a broadcast, you go over and you just get whatever you need out of him. So Tim and I go over to see him and he reminds Huggins of the story when, and Tim is from the Detroit area and Huggy was an assistant at Ohio state. Huggs was an assistant at Ohio state and he was recruiting Tim. And he, and he stood up in Tim's liver, living room and he tried to demonstrate uh, the way Ohio State, the proper technique when they're playing man-to-man defense with their lateral movement. He's moving from side to side and he, and he moves his arms and he knocks down the McCormick family Christmas tree in the living room. <laughs> now, Tim said, truth be known, I was always going to Michigan anyway. He said, but that didn't make a great impression on my mom and dad. And, and Hugs remembered the story. You know, He said, yeah, it's the only, it's the only one I've ever knocked over. <laughs> but no, he's, he's a great guy. And uh, it was very touching to see uh, how his kids reacted to him, you know, the moment. He won his 900th. And, you know, he's always he's always deflecting praise, too. You know, like he somebody mentioned that he's only a couple wins away from Bob Knight. Right. Then Bob Knight have like 903. Yeah. And he said, oh, don't don't mention me in the same name with Bob Knight. You know, I'm certainly not the coach that Bob Knight was. So I, I always liked him. He was a guy who uh, is completely different than the you know, the guy you see the competitor during the games on the sidelines. He's he's a. He's the polar opposite of that away from that. He's a really, really nice guy. And and everybody I know who knows him lo- loves the guy. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't know, but he, he certainly will be. There's no doubt in my mind he certainly will be. But how, how many guys have 900, how many guys have 900 wins that, that aren't in there? I'm asking. Uh, I don't know the yeah, answer. I, he's the only one. That's it's probably because he knocked over that Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Plus, plus hasn't didn't he win? What's the stat where he uh, he's the only guy to how many how many wins did he have at Cincinnati? Uh, I think I think he's got like five. Is it possible he's the only guy that's got three hundred wins at two different schools? Is that possible? It, it might be uh, something no, like he, that. Him it and Roy be, Williams, I think that might be worth looking up. That sounds about right. Him and Roy Williams, because Roy Williams won 300 at Kansas and obviously at Carolina. But I think that uh, I think that's the answer. No, he's a great coach. He's been a great coach for a long time. And, of course, this is the only place. You know, he told me once that he started he, – he used to sit on his grandpappy's lap, you know, listening to the Mountaineers when Jerry West played there. So, you know, for him to coach – you know, for him coaching West Virginia is like, you know, like coaching the Lakers would be for anybody else. Uh, it's, it, we're we're glad to have him, but you you're right on the money. He's got 398 at Cincinnati, and he's 310 at West Virginia. Yeah, so so yeah. there you go. All right, Bob, we appreciate you. I got one more question to ask. Just we don't get a ton into into women's basketball. It's just unfortunately not something we get into. But I know you do. So just give us who, who's your who's your clubhouse leader on the women's bracket here. Who do you see going all the way there? I think it's more wide open than ever. Um. I think UConn uh, – I don't think that UConn necessarily has the best team. Um, Paige Beckers is a fantastic player. She's already been compared favorably to the greatest freshman in UConn history. But she has more pressure on her than any of the other freshmen have because she became the best player on the UConn team 
you know, when she laced up her sneakers for the first time. And that was not the case. I mean, when my Maya Moore was a tremendous freshman, but Tina Charles and Renee Montgomery, West Virginia girl, um, were already on the team when they got there. When Diana Taurasi got there, you know, Sue Bird and Swin Cash and Svetlana Brosimov and Shay Ralph were already on the team. Um, so I think um, I think three of the number one seeds could win it. Stanford, South Carolina, and UConn. I don't think NC State will win. And I think two of the two seeds, Maryland and Baylor, have as good a chance to win it all as those three others. So I think one of those five, and I've watched every game, and I would say out of all the teams I've seen so far, the team that impresses me the most is Baylor. So I certainly think UConn will get to the final four. Uh, they would not be able to survive on a night that Beckers has a bad game. So, I mean, Diana Taurasi, as great as she was, she had a, a horrible game uh, when she got to the final four as a freshman against Notre Dame. She was something like one for 15 from the floor and they lost. Uh, if Beckers has a bad game in the final four, UConn will lose. And uh, so I think the other teams, each of the other teams I mentioned, have much more depth than UConn has. But UConn's got the best coach. <laughs> That's true. All right. See, I, Bob likes the one seeds on both sides. You, you notice that, right? You know, he not well, not it's, t- it's, it's, the women's the women's tournament is different. You don't see the first day was all chalk. Yeah, the first it really, day it really is. Chalk. Yeah, and the second day only three of the lower seeds won. So no, I mean the women. The, the, there's more balance in the women's team than ever, but it's not, it's, it's still, not one through it's four. It's still That's probably four. about 10 years away or so before it gets a little. I, little I, I did a UConn first round game once on television, one Oh one 29. You're not going to see that in the men's tournament. Game. Mm, that what do you in, talk about at the end of that game? The <laughs> second half, I should yeah, say. What's the, what's the locker room <laughs> conversation? That's why you do all the homework you do. I mean, you, uh, <laughs> I'm a big believer in doing homework and, uh, and the average game, you wind up using only about 20% of it because the game, you let the game dictate what you're going to talk about. But you do all that homework just in case it's 101 29. <laughs> I would have I asked him to do a running clock. Yeah. Just the, uh, the coach, it, it was a win over, you know, it was obviously a 116 game and they played LIU. And the coach at LIU was Tony Basella. And Tony uh, then became the coach at Iona. And now he's the coach at Seton Hall my alma mater and, and his alma mater. And so a couple of years after that, he brought his Iona team to Gamble Pavilion. Uh, and I was, you know, teasing him about the last time he was, I said, do you remember the score last time? He said, yeah, 101-29. How could I forget that? And then when he got to Seton Hall, they made the NCAA tournament. And sure enough, they get sent to UConn uh, for the first and second rounds. They played Rutgers in the first round and if in an 8-9 game, and if they had beaten them, they would have played UConn in the second round. So I texted Tony. I said, congratulations, and get because it was the first time they went to the tournament years. That's great, but, you know, let's see if you can score more than 29 points this time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, 101-29, believe me, it's not because he didn't empty his bench. The starters, none of the starters played as, played as much as 25 minutes. I, I keep thinking of more things to ask you. I, I got another uh, back to the men's side here. So Rick Pitino came back to the tournament. He's he's the open uh, Iona, and that's in New York, correct? I, I'm so hard for me to remember some of these schools sometimes. 
It's in New Rochelle, which is immediately New north. Rochelle. New Rochelle, Iona campus is like uh, 15 minutes north of Yankee Stadium. Okay, so it's it's like Yonkers area, kind of like that, just a little north of there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, See, I, I'm, I can do some geography. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. So let me let me ask you this. He recently said that he loves his job now. He's happy where he's at. Do you believe that that he's going to stay there for the rest of his career, or do you do you think um, he's just bound to land somewhere else? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, it's it's you know he's kind of toxic. And uh, but he's less toxic now than he was a year ago. Oh, I, I, would, I bet my dad a steak dinner. He would never ever coach in college basketball again at, at a major level. And and I was I was wrong. Uh, so he, he's back. And then <laughs> and then even more shockingly, a Catholic school hires him. Despite, <laughs> hey, we you know, preach forgiveness. <laughs> his you know the alleged sins he committed at Louisville weren't just you know paying for players. Well, he won that lawsuit. That helped him out a lot. Uh, but he's less toxic now. I mean, you could, if you were an AD, you could sell Rick Pitino to your president and the board of trustees at a big time, you know, like what we were talking about before Indiana, right. <laughs> uh, then you could before, uh, I don't know that that's a really, uh, that's a really tough question. He's, uh, you know, he says he's, he's happy. Uh, my guess is my guess is. No, it won't be his last stop. But I have, I have nothing, I have nothing to base that on other than my opinion. But I do think, I do think he's one of the greatest coaches in history. I think, you know, X's and O's and a game manager. I think he's brilliant. He's he's been successful wherever he's been, except when he was with the Boston Celtics. And his biggest problem there was was his general manager, who was also Rick Pitino. He wasn't a very good general <laughs> manager, but he he did a great job at Boston University. He did a phenomenal job at Providence, getting them to the Final Four, and he did a really good job with the Knicks. You know, before he, you know, and then remember when he inherited Kentucky, they were really down, oh, they and they were on mess. probation, and they turned that around. They went to three Final Fours, two straight championship games, and then. You know, the year after he left, you know, Tubby Smith won it all with with Patino's players in his first year. So he he's one of the great. And then he won another one at Louisville. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I did. By the way, I, I was surprised it took him so long to get into the Hall of Fame. He should have been in earlier. Yeah. So now I answer your question. You know, someone will probably hire him, uh, offer him the job. And uh, if the right circumstance comes up, uh you know, I think the I it wouldn't be for my. I mean, he could obviously make a lot more money than whatever Iona is paying him. Sure. And I don't know what Iona is paying, but he could make a lot more money. It wouldn't be. I don't think it'd be the money that would drive him. It would be the competitiveness in him. I don't think. I don't think he's going back to the NBA though. No. Nah. I think maybe I he'll go he to Indiana. <laughs> that, you know that that wouldn't be. You know that that be a bad fit, they, they'd be on TV a lot more. <laughs> yeah, it would be a bad fit. Uh, hey, Bob, man, we got to make this like an annual tradition. I really enjoyed just the conversation with March Madness. You're fantastic, buddy. I I, I just say I, I feel uh, enlightened and, and just positive walking away from this now. Well, thank you. It was very nice of you to say I enjoyed it.
Uh, Bob, always a pleasure, buddy. We appreciate you giving us the time of day, and I hope you're enjoying retirement, man. Just just keep I taking am. it easy, Very and much. and you got to find room for a fourth TV in the living room so you, you can get that true TV game on there well, too. I, I do. It's 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 this. This is my fourth TV. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Hey, Bob, we appreciate you, buddy. You have a wonderful rest of your evening. All right. Same to you. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, Bob. <laughs> Well, I've had fun tonight, but we always like to wrap up with a little bit of pop culture. We just like to give you a glimpse into our daily lives and let you know that, you know, we're not just these personalities that you fall in love with talking about sports every week. We, we try to give you a little bit more than just sports. So in the world of pop culture, Mr. Brown, any, anything new and exciting? I mean, it wasn't new for me, but it was new to my daughter. She's 13. So and, this is uh, a sharing moment. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I think last time we discussed, we had introduced her to Wayne's World. Yes, you did. So this week... Uh, we had another, uh, not 90s, 2004 we checked it came out. She got to watch for the first time Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. So she got introduced to Uncle Rico, so, both so, for Pedro and Napoleon. I'm just and curious how she... knows she, how important tots are now. Exactly. Yeah. Until, somebody kicks tots. Somebody, until somebody kicks them in your pocket. Oh, so what, what's her take on Napoleon Dynamite? She she loved it. Okay. I, she she thought it was great, and she was laughing the whole time. She was like, "Why does he walk that way? Why does he have that crazy look? I love his hair." And at the end, when he was doing the skit for Pedro, and you know, and she was like, "This is going to be a train wreck." And then he gets out there, and he can actually move. She's like, "Wow, he's really good." Because he was just getting down. He, he, he did to that uh, cassette tape uh, Kip's girlfriend gave him. Do you know what band that was? No. It was Jamiroquai. I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. They are the one that was saying uh, virtual uh, insanity. That video was crazy. Yes, where they move, the floor was moving. Yes, okay. So she uh, thought it was all crazy. Like she loved it though. She was like, "I'd watch this again for sure." Mm. So all right, I I, I appreciate that. It's always nice when you share something with your kids that's before their time, and they appreciate it the way that she was. Which I didn't really. I picked up on it, but like how cringy and creepy Uncle Rico was. Oh, he very much he is. is. but just like how he's like trying to get the, 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 the bust must. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Increase your bust. Yeah. Whatever. Naturally. Yeah. And then it was like, he was telling the high school girls that and he would have a nice day and drive mm. off in his creepy van. Right, so let me ask you this. Just give me your favorite single scene, if you can, of the movie. <sighs> That's hard, man. Yeah, give me one. I got, I, I'll give you mine. I'll start off. My favorite is just when uh, Kip is trying to sell the Tupperware and, you know, there's one where he's trying to show that it's strong and, and all that. So he, he goes out to the car and he puts it on and he drives over, busts it. Jeez. And he just drives off in the in the shagging wagon van there that mm-hmm. Uncle Rico let him borrow. That was for whatever reason. I love that scene. I don't There's so many. I'm trying to think which one was my favorite. Uh you have to pick between which one became the best meme because that's always the meme. <laughs> so many good ones. Uh, <laughs> you can always go with grab my arm. I, no, the other arm. I thought no, it was my other arm. <laughs> it's, I thought it was funny when uh, he was talking. Uncle Rico was talking to Kip about throwing the football over the mountains, and he's like, "Hey, watch this!" And he grabbed that steak and threw it and slapped Napoleon <laughs> in the face, and he, and he knocked his glasses off. Gosh, freaking idiot! <laughs> and that was pretty good. I like that. Uh, you can't just pick one. You can't. I, I was just trying to be mean and put you on the spot. All right, Biggie, I watched a movie, and, and Mr. Brown and I were talking about this earlier. So I, I, between March Madness and everything else going on, I haven't done anything else except for work and watch the four-hour cut of the Justice League from Zack Snyder. And how was that? So I got to tell you, infinitely better. Infinitely better. So much better. 
And, you know, it was four hours long and everybody's going to rip on it for that. But he made it designed to be like an epic style movie. And everything that you saw from the first one. Did you watch the original one? No. It it was terrible. Don't watch it. Uh, Apparently, Zack Snyder's never even watched the first one because it was so bad. And what happened was his daughter passed away whenever they were making it. And so they replaced him kind of in the middle. And so they tried to rewrite a bunch of stuff. It was just terrible. But it, it had depth, it had character development, and, and like Cyborg and Flash, who were like nothing in the first one. They actually were like central parts of this, and it was just, it was really good. So I guess HBO Max is smart because, you know, they, they put this out there for everyone to subscribe to HBO Max and now watch it. But uh, four hours, man. I watched a four-hour superhero movie that wasn't Marvel. It was exhausting. But it was good. It didn't feel like four hours, actually. I do agree that would be exhausting. Um, well, I mean, you're sitting on the couch. It's not that exhausting. But nah, there's a lot of up and down in four hours. You're old. You got to pee. Yeah, I mean, it does happen. Now, Mr. Brown, you did watch the original Justice League, right? Yeah, it was terrible. Um, I liked uh, Wonder Woman. The first one was good. I actually enjoyed Aquaman. I liked the uh, original uh, Superman. Yep. But when they all got together, they did the worst job of building the characters and telling the story. So it was so poorly put together compared to like the Avengers. Terrible. So if you like Man of Steel, which was a really good Superman movie, like this movie has that tone, has that feel to it, has the plot development. Like it's just like you, you almost have to forget the, the first one. Like it was so bad. And, and like the end, everything's changed. So do they build off this now to keep, go forward with the franchise or is what's done? So, done? so that's the debate. It almost feels like they can't because they've kind of moved on and contracts and things like that. And you got the new Batman movie with that guy from Twilight. You know, Why do they keep switching Batman? I don't know. They do that with Spider-Man a bunch of times too. It's, I, I hate it when they do that crap. I know, but the only one was the one with the Marvel universe, like with Avengers. Right, right, right. So at least that fit in here. But with this, I don't know what they're doing. The problem is there's no like collective head that controls the DC universe, so you end up with a bunch of crap. One thing's for sure, they'll be like, "I am Batman." Ah, uh-huh. Batman. Yeah. I don't use guns. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Where are they? <laughs> I just want to talk to people like that all the time. That never gets old. And like you ever seen the Bat Dad? That's what I think of every time you guys make that voice. The Bat Dad. The On Bat Facebook. Dad. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking about. He just <sighs> goes around and tortures his family yep. while wearing a Batman mask. Really? Yeah. He talks like that. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll talk to his kids. He'll, he'll be like, You should do that at the draft. He'll be like, Mr. Brown, what's in your hand? <laughs> Where did you get that? Do you have any more? It's just that nonstop. Oh, how do they deal with that? <laughs> I don't know. But he says to his, he'll, his wife will be like washing dishes or something. He's like, you're looking like you're gaining weight. <laughs> and she, she'll throw stuff at him and things like that. I'm assuming we're not having relations this afternoon. Like, it's just stuff like that all the time. Uh, the stuff is not on social media. Now everyone stopped listening to the show, so we should probably. Yeah, 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 it was terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we brought up Bat Dad. Anyway, uh, so Braves, Braves Nation representing next week. That'll be interesting. Tomahawk Talk. Tomahawk Talk. So Greg Hart. We'll give them a little love there. Find them on Facebook. And don't forget to uh, subscribe and listen to the show, guys. Don't just listen to it one time. Listen to it every week. We got guests and all kinds of nonsense and bat dad voices we'll do from time to time. We're here for you guys. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Have a good weekend and be sure to tune in live for our fantasy baseball draft. See you next week.